Amen. You know, that song may not mean much to you. She said it was my favorite song. Well, if you, if you made your money by giving, then you'd like that too. Amen. You know, your, 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 your income isn't based on, uh, on what other people do or even what God does. It's based on what you give. Isn't that right? You control your own financial situation. And, you know, as a missionary, I had to learn that a long, long time ago when my wife and I first moved to Mexico and uh, moved to the city of Oaxaca. And Oaxaca's a nice city today. If you go to Oaxaca today, you say, oh, this is a lovely city. I don't know what's wrong with Brother Terry. Man, there's Walmart and there's, and there's Office Depot and Office Max, and they're just such nice stores. But, you know, way back in the early 70s, that stuff wasn't there. Not only was that stuff not there, there was no refrigeration in the whole town. You couldn't, you couldn't get milk anywhere in town except out of a cow or a goat. And you couldn't buy any meat in town except what the butcher had freshly killed. And the way you knew he had freshly killed something, he hung a red flag up on the butcher shop. And then you knew he had some meat. And, uh, and, then, and I've told you this story before. But then he, 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 he puts it in strips, hangs it up in strips. Have you ever been to a, on a cruise or in some, on vacation to some third world country and been in a marketplace and you've seen all that? You've seen the chickens hanging up by their neck and, and the meat in strips with flies all over it and what have you. And that's how we bought our meat. That, that's the way we... We bought our meat in those days. We'd buy our meat at the, at the butcher store with all the flies and try to leave the flies at the shop instead of, instead of bringing them home with us. And then we'd take the meat home and we'd baptize it in Clorox, you know, and just we'd baptize the meat in Clorox and baptize the vegetables in Clorox. And then when we put, the, you know, bathe the baby, we'd put Clorox in the bath water uh, because babies will pick up the washcloth and put it in their mouth and suck on it and get water and, you know, they'll swallow the water. So they may smell like a swimming pool, but at least they don't get bugs. And uh, don't get amoebas. So uh, anyway, we would. Uh, that's how we first lived when we went to Mexico. We had no partners. We had no credit cards, no checking account, no no partners. I mean, I would love to have had you know several hundred partners and several millionaires on the board. That just never that just never happened, and uh, uh, and has happened rarely since then. And if you're a millionaire and want to apply to get on the board, come see me after you know. <clears throat> but anyway, so we learned to to control our income. By our, by our outgo, by our, by our giving. And so, man, we, we would give and give and give and give and give and give. And, Mike, I was so concerned about my giving. I actually was more concerned about my giving than I was anything else because I knew my giving would cause my receiving. And I knew my, my planting would cause my harvest, that my, my, my sowing would, would, would control my reaping. And so uh, y'all have heard me tell the hitchhiker story. Y'all have heard me tell you that, that at age 24 in Mexico, I picked up a hitchhiker and and he got in the car and pulled a gun and stuck it in my ribs and said, I'm going to kill you. And I said, you can't kill me. I've got authority over you in the name of Jesus. He said, I'm going to kill you. I said, you can't kill me. I'm a man of God. I've got authority over you in the name of Jesus. And I rebuked him and then I rebuked him. And, uh, and I rebuked him in Spanish, English, and tongues. And finally, at one point, uh, we got out of the car and he, he was this close to me and shot at me five times at point blank range, this close, five times. I counted them, all five shots. And the bullets didn't hit me. And I don't know how God did that. don't care how God did that. But uh, later... Several years later, I was looking through my daily calendars and journal things, and I came across the day I picked up that hitchhiker. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Let me read this. And all I put, all I bothered to write down, all that was important to me at all, was I wrote, gave a bandit didn't say God saved my life. Didn't say God shot at me. Didn't say I picked up a hitchhiker. Didn't, the only thing in my brain that was important was the fact that I gave something. 
And that's all I had. I only had two dollars. So whenever he, you know, told me to give me his, my money, I said, okay. You know, I had two dollars. And, and then later, after he got convicted and, and buked and rebuked and tried to give me all that stuff back, I said, hey, you keep that. And he said, you're giving it to me? And I said, well, you can't rob me, but I'll give you most anything I got. But the only thing that I thought was important to write down was that I gave $2 to a bandit. Not that God saved my life today. You know, Jackie was almost a widow and my baby's orphans. And God saved me. God did a miracle. No, not, not that God stopped flying bullets at, at, at a space of, you know, a couple of feet. No, I gave $2. That was important to me. I wanted heaven to know that I gave $2 away. And because I gave $2 away, I expect a return on that. But you know, again, if you're, if you're depending on your giving to eat, and so 20 some odd years ago, over 20 years ago, I heard Fred Price sing that song. And I was preaching at Crenshaw. And almost any time I ever go preach at Crenshaw, they'll sing it. And Fred himself will sing it. And, uh, and he'd get up in the pulpit and sing, you can't beat God giving, no matter how you try. The more you give, the more he gives to you. So just keep on giving because it's really true. You can't beat God giving. And I'd sit there and listen. I'd sit there on the front row and listen to Fred Price singing this song. And I'm thinking, well, you know, he's the richest guy I know. I mean, he's got money running out of his ears. He's got more money than anybody, you know, more money in some small countries. So he ought to know what he's talking about. So, man, I locked on to that song. That's why Renee said, that's Terry's favorite song. Well, yeah. My other favorite song is Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For the Bible Tells Me So. You just give me those two songs, I'm happy with them. I'm, I'm just happy. I'm not, you don't need anything else, just those two. I know Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so, and you can't, you can't outgive God. You can't beat God giving. Amen? Well, stand up with me and let's pray. Y'all ready to pray and invite the Holy Ghost to do whatever he wants to do? You know, I've said for many years that the definition of a revival is that the Holy Ghost interrupts the church. <clears throat> Most churches today don't want to be interrupted, but I think we do. Isn't that right? Praise the Lord. You know, the longest, longest church service I've ever held in my life was 10 and a half hours. And um, uh, now if I were on that side of this, if I were sitting where you're sitting, I'd say, I am. I'm not listening to anybody for 10 and a half hours. But it was just one of those Holy Ghost things. I didn't preach that long, but we prayed and God did miracles and, you know, and just time got eaten away. And by the time I left there the next morning, it was 530 in the morning. And we started, what, 7 that night and left at 5.30 in the morning. I had an 8.30 breakfast meeting I had to preach, so I had to get out of there and get to a breakfast meeting and preach. But God just did miracles and miracles and miracles and miracles and miracles. And blind eyes opened, deaf ears unstopped, and bones rearranged, and, and, and with, with documented x-rays to prove it, and just miracles. And, uh, you know, when the Holy Ghost does it, you don't care. You don't care what time it is. I'd lay hands on people. In fact, I wouldn't even get my hands on people. I'd just start to lay hands on people, and the Holy Spirit would knock them down, and they'd be down three, four, five hours. You know, it wasn't just, you know, today, you know, they fall down, and the ushers over there picking them up within 37 seconds, you know. But, I mean, those people were down three, four, five hours, just, just out. I mean, gone. And uh, it was just one of those services that, was, that you know, it's a, it may be once in a lifetime, but, you know, you sure like it when it happens. I still have people come, to, come up to me and say, Brother Terry, I was, in, I was there the Wednesday night. They always call it the Wednesday night. I was there the Wednesday night, and I got healed, and I'm still healed today. Well, thank God, thank God for the Holy Ghost showing up and interrupting the church. And you know, if the Holy Ghost would do that every now and then, uh, we wouldn't need church programs to get people in church. They'd just flock to the church. Amen? Amen. They'd just flock to the church and say, I want to see what, what's going on over there. Father, thank you for this great church. 
thank you for this great church with a great pastor, with a great congregation, with a great God, with a great vision to get the gospel to the world, to rescue men and women from hell. You never intended man to go to hell. Hell, the Bible says, was created by you for the devil and for his angels. You never intended a man to go to hell. That was never in the plan. Adam's the one that caused that to happen. He, he sinned. He committed high treason. He sold out. He transferred the title deed over to the devil. And the devil became God of this world. But Father, that was never, 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 never your plan. Hell should never, should never house a human being. It does, and I hate it, and I wish it wasn't so. But Father, help us to make it where it won't be so in the future. Father, we realize that the one problem with hell is that there are people that have been there for, for thousands of years, and yet their sentence is no shorter today than it was the day they got there. They're still facing eternity in hell. And I'm really sorry about that. And Father, I want to do my part, and this church wants to do their part to make sure nobody else goes. We don't want another soul to go to hell. Father, wish to God that the church could put a sign out, every church in the whole world could just stick a sign outside and say, no more people going to hell. Lord, I... I I would be so happy, and I know this is a pipe dream, but I'd be so happy if hell never, ever, ever, ever gained another human. And yet for that to be true, the church has got some work to do. We're the body of Christ. We're the believers. We're the Christians. We, you said we are the ones on whom the end of the age has come. We're it. Whether we want to be it or not, whether we feel qualified to be it or not, don't make any difference. You said we're it. We're the ones on whom the end of the age has come. So, Father, use us. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every teen. Father, use us to have that fierceness we talked about this morning. The, the fierceness of an Old Testament warrior with our shield up and our sword out. Fierce to rescue people. And yet to have the gentleness, kindness, meekness, love, forgiveness, grace faith of a New Testament believer. Thank you. Father, I ask you, as I've already talked to you about, to move on this service tonight, that I not speak of myself nor in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit, the greater one that indwells me, rise up big within me and think through my thoughts, speak through my lips, minister, minister words tonight that'll get on the inside of us and create faith. For faith comes by hearing the word of God. As we hear the word tonight, faith will rise in this place. Faith will rise. Faith will rise in this place. And as faith rises, you're able to touch us at the point of our faith and do miracles. Anointed people, anointed, anointed by the Holy Ghost, anointed by heaven. And the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. So our relatives, our friends, our loved ones, people on the street, we walk along beside them with the anointing on the inside of us that is capable of destroying the yoke that's holding them down. The anointing that destroys the yoke. And we're absolutely full of that anointing in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. 
And we give you glory and honor, praise, majesty, and dominion. That we go with the answers to the world's problems. We go and give a word in season. We go and give them a word that's like apples of gold and pictures of silver. The word of God that delivers and sets free, heals, changes things. Father, when I was a little boy, they always said prayer changes things. Well, that's never changed. Prayer changes things. Thank you for this church. Thank you for our service tonight, speaking to us by your spirit. Thank you for healings. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for deliverance of habits. Thank you for total uh, giving people their will back to where they can say, I have my will back. I'm in control of myself. No devil, no demon, no habit is in control of me. Father, we're thirsty tonight. You said, ho, him that thirsts and hunger, come, let them come. And Father, thank you for it. And we give you the glory and the honor and the praise, the majesty and dominion in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I didn't want to quit praying. I was praying myself happy. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just give him praise. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Lord, we give you glory, glory, glory. We give you the glory. We would not touch your glory. Lord, Father, here's a church that has decided we're not going to touch your glory. We give you the glory. Jesus is Lord. Holy God. Holy God. Holy God. Father, all through history, there's been very few men and women that have been able to not touch either your gold or your glory, but we, we are not going to do it. We give it to you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. We all better sit down. I tell you, we're liable to get loose in here if we don't sit down and act like we're going to church. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Aren't you glad we serve a supernatural God? Aren't you glad there's just no, there's just no limits, nothing impossible? Thank God, thank God, thank God. You know, you know, Brother Hagen, <clears throat> Kenneth Hagen, Brother Dad Hagen, told the story many, many times. And he said, when I pastored, you'll know this is true. When I pastored, he said, I pastored several churches. He said, when I pastored, no one in my church ever died of a sickness or a disease. He said, we had some died of old age. They just got ready to go home and left. But he said, nobody we didn't have funerals in my church for my church people because they just, if they just didn't die of sickness and disease. And so he'd tell that story quite often. If you read his books, it's in his books. If you listen to his old CDs, they're in there. And, and I've heard him say it personally time and time and time again. In fact, I've sat at dinner and talked to him about it. And, uh, <clears throat> and so after they started Rama in 1974, then so many Rama students have come and gone through that great school in all these many, many years, as have several of you. And, uh, then go off somewhere, leave school, graduate school, go off and pastor. And then uh, after they'd had about three or four or five funerals in a row in their church, many of them would call me and then say, Brother Terry, help. I said, what's wrong? They said, man, I can't in this church, started this church, and I told these people I'm just like Brother Hagen and nobody's going to die in my church of sickness, and I just preached my fifth funeral. They're about, to, they're about to lynch me. They're about to string me up. And I always said to every one of those young ministers, I'd say, well... I know dad said that, 
But did you listen to the why? They say, what? Say, did you listen to why that happened? Not just that it happened, but did you listen to why it happened? They said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, well, he always told us why. But I said, you just caught the, you just caught the headline and didn't go down and check out the how come. And you just go out there and say, hey, nobody's going to die around me. And then, and then you don't put the how come into effect. And uh, there's a problem. And they said, well, what in the world is it? What did he say? I said, well, go back and listen to those things. I said, I'll tell you, but you go back and read it for yourself or listen to it yourself over and over and over and over. He said this. He said, he said because. Everybody say because. because. There's always a because, isn't there? Well, there's some little words in the Bible like because and that, you know, all the promises are preceded by a, a condition or a commandment that says, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. If you'll do this, then this promise will work. If you'll do this, then I'll do this. And sometimes we, we word of faith folks and other people too, sometimes we pick up the promise right after the then or right after the condition or right after the, 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 uh, the directions and we start confessing the promise part, and it doesn't work for us. We don't know why it doesn't work, but it's because we, we, we didn't go back over here and start before the then. Because God says, if you'll do this and this and this, then I'll do this and this and this, right? And so if we just start picking up the promise and start confessing the promise and wonder why it doesn't work, we need to go back and pick up the condition or the commandment or the, or the directions or the instructions. Amen. Amen. All you parents know that if you've got kids, Right? But Brother Hagin said this, he said, because if it was a man in my church that got sick, he said, I just went and got in bed with him. And I just sat up in bed with him and I just read, read him the Bible just for hours. I mean, over and over and over and over and over for however long it took for him to get healed. And he said, and if it was a woman in my church that got sick, he said, I went to her house and took a chair and sat by her bed and I sat there and read her the Bible until she got well. Everybody say, oh. Now, see, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But, of course, we look at it and we have a way. We, us humans have a way of, you know, dismissing stuff and rationalizing stuff. So we look at all that now, you know, and we say, yeah, but you know what? He pastored in the 30s and 40s. It was slow. They didn't have our lifestyle. They didn't have television. They didn't have you know, umpteen jobs. I mean, they, 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 they got up with the chickens, went to bed with the chickens, you know. Very few women worked then. They'd stay home, keep the house, husband at work, come back. I mean, things were just nice and easy and slow. Man, we, our lifestyle's crazy. You know, all my grandkids, just like all your grandkids, you know, they've all got their, their smartphones and they've all got calendars and they've all got, you know, you can't even take your grandkids out to eat anymore because, man, they got sports or they got this or they got that or they got that or they got that. It's like, what, what's wrong with you kids? You're too busy. You need to come away. Spend some time with me. Well, that's what God says. Hey, you're too busy. You need to come spend some time with me. Well, just because it was slow and just because it was the 30s and 40s and just because those people didn't have your schedule doesn't change the fact that it moved God. So we need to always go back and find out what, what moved God. Let's quit rationalizing it away and let's quit explaining it away and let's quit looking for excuses and let's just go say, what was it that moved God? What moved his hand? What caused him to get involved? What caused him to, to do a miracle? What caused him? Because those same things will work. 
And yet, you know, we say, well, but Brother Hagin, I mean, he just had little churches. He might have had 100 people in the church, you know. And here we got these mega churches and got all these big churches and got several hundred people or several thousand people in the church. So we, we can't do that. I mean, Pastor Mike can't go climb in bed with every guy that gets sick and set a chair by, by every lady's bed that gets sick. He doesn't have that kind of time and not enough hours in the day. True, but that's why God gave us deacons and elders and ministers of helps. And, amen. Because some of you ladies could just go get in bed with some lady and read her the Bible. Some of you guys just go sit by a chair and uh, by a bed and read them the Bible. So, you know, we, man, we could be coming up here just hungry in, and say, have you got anybody to send me to, Pastor? Anybody sick? Anybody in our church sick? Is anybody bedridden? I'll, I'll just go spend time with them. T.L. Osborne told me something many, many years ago that's been worth a gajillion dollars to me. He made this statement. He said, Terry, he said, I've been watching you. He said, in fact, I'm impressed. I've been watching you. And I said, what in the world have I done to impress you? He said, I've been watching you, and you, you know how to make the devil mind you. Well, what's that worth? What is that worth? You can make the devil mind you, especially at your house? <laughs> you weren't like talking about me, were you? Oh. <clears throat> and... Uh, and then he said this, he said, he said, son, all, and listen to this, this, this will do you good for the next hundred years. He said, always stay till the devil leaves. Amen. Well, how much is that worth? You know, I preached to you when I was here last, last uh, October, I preached to you something that John Osteen said to me many, many, many years ago. And some of y'all remember this. John Osteen said to me, he said, son, when I was just a teenager, he said, son, God's a good checker player. Y'all remember me preaching on that? God's a good checker player, and he doesn't move if it's your turn. There's no telling how much money that's been worth to me over the last 50 years. It's my 50th year in ministry, and he said that to me when I was a, I was a teenager. So for 50 years in the ministry around the world, third world missionary evangelism, I, I've had that in my ear. Son, God's a good checker player. If you're fasting and nothing's working, and you're praying and nothing's working, and you're saying, hey, God, uh, move, and nothing's working, maybe it's your turn. Because faith demands action, isn't it right? Faith demands corresponding action. James told us three times in chapter 2 of James, faith without works is what? Dead. Now, see, we're faith folks. We're word of faith folks. We're big on faith, 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 faith. But James just flatly said, faith is worthless. It's dead unless it has corresponding actions, and then it's worth everything. Then it'll accomplish anything. But if you're just... You know, so many people over the years I've gone to them and they said, Brother Terry, I need you to pray for me. I said, what's going on? They said, well, you know, we're just praying and this and this and this is going on. And I'll, and I'll say, well, well, what are you doing? And they'll say, well, well, we're standing. I said, okay, but what are you doing? Well, well we're standing. I said, okay, that's great. But what are you doing? Well, Brother Terry, we're standing. We've prayed and now we're standing. The word says, having done all to stand, stand. So we're standing. And I said, yeah, but I don't know if you're qualified to stand. What do you mean I'm not qualified to stand? I said, well, you're not qualified to stand unless you have having done all to stand. And if all you've done is prayed and said, okay, I'm standing, you ain't done anything, right? And, and what the Word says in Ephesians is having done all, along the way, having done all to stand, then you can stand. Then just stand there. Then just stand and just, just stand in the face of the devil and say, I'm not moving. But sometimes us Christians, we just start standing too soon. We say, Father, please do it in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. I'm standing. 
But there's got to be a having done all, right? Are y'all here? But just that phrase, son, God's a good checker player. That, that's been worth millions of dollars to me. I'm, there's no telling how many times that saved my life. No telling how many times that saved somebody else's life. No telling how many times that's, that's provided me with finances or got, got me healed or got my kids healed or got something else going on. Because just those words, from just those phrases from some of those fathers in the faith years ago, you know, I, I feel sorry for the church today because we don't seem to have those fathers in the faith anymore. I mean, we've got them. It's just that for the first time in history, the church hasn't looked to the next level of fathers. We've bypassed the next level of fathers. As this level's gone to heaven, we've bypassed this next level, and we've gone to the young lions. And we say, hey, these young lions are pretty cool, and I agree they are. Some of them are my young lions. I believe in young lions. I'm for young lions, but I know they're not fathers. Nothing wrong with the young lion. They're just not a father yet. You know, thank God, hopefully there'll be a father one of these days. But right now, they're a young lion. Man, they're full of vim and vinegar and the word of God. And man, they're ready to go. Man, they got all these TV shows and they, got, they dress funky and look funky and do their hair funky and wear holes in their jeans and got jet airplanes. And so, and so instead of looking to the fathers, we've looked to the young lions. And that's dangerous not only for you, that's dangerous for the young lion. That's why we get those young lines on TV sometimes and the news reporters ask them hard questions and they can't answer them because they ask them father questions. And they don't have father answers. They've got the sword ready to kill somebody, ready to cut somebody's ear off like Peter was, but, but they're, not, they're not fathers. Peter just grabbed his sword and cut the guy's ear off. Jesus said, hey, 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 put that away. We're not doing that right now. Isn't that right? Are, are, are y'all here? Turn your Bible to the book of Matthew. We don't want this to be a 10 and a half hour sermon. I better get started. <clears throat> Turn to the book of Matthew. Not because we're going to preach there, just because you know where it is. It's easy to find. And once you get there, I want you to turn left. And go back eight books. I'm just trying to help you. Matthew, turn left, go Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Nahum, Micah, Jonah, stop. It's the 32nd book from the front, the 8th book, book from the back. I'm trying to help you all I can. If you go in the other direction, find Daniel. You can find Daniel. Then go Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Or in my Bible, it's 900, page 916. So I don't know how to help you any more than that. Jonah. Everybody say Jonah. <clears throat> Jonah is uh, four chapters long. It didn't have to be four chapters long. Didn't need to be four chapters long. God didn't intend it to be four chapters long. Let me read you the entire book of Jonah the way God intended it to be written, the way it should have been written, the way it could have been written. Now, most of our life stories could be shorter. They didn't have to be as messy as they were. Right? They didn't have to be as long as they were, as messy as they were, as, as hurtful as they were. They could, have, they could have just been real. God said it, we did it, and it worked. But it doesn't always happen that way. Life's messy. Jonah's life was messy. So let me read you the entire book of Jonah in five verses. It should have just been five verses long. 
It should have started in chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. and says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And then it should go to chapter 3, in verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was a great, an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Then it should go to verse 5. Verse 5 says, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them, and it should end in verse 10. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented from the evil that he said he would do to them, and he did it not. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> Isn't that simple? That's the way Jonah could have been written. It's the way it should have been written. It's the way God intended for it to be written. He said, Jonah, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh and cry against it. And he said, Yes, sir, and went and did it. But that's not what happened. He said, Nope, not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. You young people wouldn't understand that. That's okay. That was George Bush the first. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. And Jonah just said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I got a better idea. I'm going to go down the seashore and I'm going to buy me a ticket on a boat going over to Tarshish. You know, it's really dumb to try to have a better idea than God. I always hate it when church people come to me and say, hey, Billy, I got an idea. And I say, yeah, I bet you do. My grandkids, I've got one grandson especially. It, all his life since he's that big, you know, he's, he's, he's almost 20 now, but he's that. He'd always say, hey, Papa, I got an idea. I said, no, you don't, buddy. <laughs> here's what we're going to do, and here's how we're going to do it. And I got an idea. No, we're doing, no. Huh? And that's what Jonah did. Hey, I got an idea. No, no, no. Your idea is not going to work. Now, I'm not putting down your ideas. I'm just saying you're not going to have a better idea than God. Are you here? And so he goes down here and he, 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 he goes to Joppa and he, verse three, the very end of verse three is so dumb of him. He says that he bought this ticket and he paid the fare thereof and went down into it, into the ship to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, how are, you going to, how are you going to get away from the presence of the Lord in a slow boat to Tarshish? And so he goes down and he goes to sleep. Now, here's the problem with you disobeying God. Now, I know there's all kind of new sermons today with all the greasy, gracie people that says you can't you know, you don't ever get out of the will of God and God loves everything you do and he just loves you so much and you're so cool and he sits on his throne in heaven 24 hours a day just trying to figure out how to make you happy and anything you do is happy is great with him and he'll just see to it that he gets it all done for you because he's a good little servant and he's your butler and he'll take care of you. Just leave your shoes outside and he'll shine them for you. Well, that's not anything like what the Bible says. That's, that's where somebody said, hey, I got an idea. Let's preach this goofy sermon and make lots of money and deceive lots of people. But it's not Bible. It has anything to do with God. Y'all remember God? Yes. The problem with you getting out of the will of God 
like Jonah did, is you don't only cause problems for yourself. You cause problems for everybody sailing with you. You could. Man. You know, I kind of enjoy taking cruises, and I always pray before I ever take a cruise, Lord, don't let there be a Jonah on this boat. I'll just go throw him off myself. I mean, just point him out to me, and I'll go toss him overboard. because I don't want him causing trouble for the whole boat. Are y'all here? But that's the problem. That's the problem right there. Is, is, is that we selfishly think, I'll just do as I please, but you don't just cause trouble for you. You cause trouble for everybody. But God, everybody say God. God in his great mercy, in his great wisdom, and in all of his love, he provided Jonah a three-day and three-night motivational seminar <laughs> and Mediterranean Sea cruise, all expenses paid. Isn't that great of God to do that? And so Jonah goes down to the bottom of the boat and goes to sleep. And uh, the storm comes. Duh. And uh, everybody's scared. They're, they're, they're throwing stuff overboard. They're trying to figure out who caused this. Somebody, this is somebody's fault. And they finally went down, woke Jonah up and said, hey, get up, pray. Pray to your God. We're all praying to our gods. That's not working. Pray to your God. And so they, uh, they did. They brought him, brought him up to the, to the deck, cast lots, fell on Jonah, verse 7. Then they said to him, verse 8, they said, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause is this evil upon us? What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? And what is your country? And of what people are you? And they had some questions for him. He said, Who in the world are you to bring all this trouble on us? And so he answered them and said, Well, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land which is where they all wish they were right now. And uh, he said, uh, if you'll just, then they feared exceedingly and said, what do we do? He said, well, if you'll just pick me up and throw me overboard, your troubles will be over. And so they did. They didn't want to, but they did. So, you know, self-preservation is the first law of nature. So they said, better you than me. And so they threw him overboard. Verse 15, they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And when they did, the sea ceased from her raging. And that really scared them. Then they, were, they feared exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. I bet they did. Now the Lord, verse 17, had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights or 72 hours. Amen. Now years ago, years ago, I don't even know when it was. It had to be back in the 80s. I was at uh, Renee and her husband, Dean. I was at Dean and Renee Garner's church in Corpus Christi, Texas. And, uh, and I was sitting on the front row. And I, I don't think I was speaking that night. I think Dean was speaking that night. I don't even remember. But I sat on the front row. And, and, and Dean was up in the pulpit uh, preaching. And then he came off the platform and came down you know, here and, and, and was preaching. And I had an open, what we call an open vision. In other words, I saw something in the spirit, yet I was not in a trance or I was not out or I was not transported somewhere or I, or I, wasn't, I wasn't unaware of what else was going on around me. I still knew what was going on, but yet I, I, I saw something in the spirit. And I can still see Dean. I can still see him standing there preaching. I don't know what he said because I was looking at this. But, but while I was 
sitting there listening to him, all of a sudden I saw on the back wall, uh, I just saw something come out of the back wall in the spirit. I saw something come out of the back wall and it was spinning around and around and around. It looked like a newspaper and that's in fact what it was. It was a newspaper that was just spinning around and around and it, it just started coming right towards me and it got bigger and bigger and bigger as it got to the front row and then it got about right here in front of me and just stopped like that. Now I could still see Dean standing over here preaching and, and I knew, knew you know, everybody was, Jackie was there beside me and I knew everything was going on, but I saw this vision. And uh, on this newspaper, it's just a one-page newspaper, just a headline. And uh, on this newspaper, it just had one photo, one picture, and it was a picture of a man in a, in a just a shirt and tie and suit coat, suit coat, just just from here up. And uh, and he just looked so perplexed, and he had sweat beads all over his all over his face, and his, his brow was furrowed and wrinkled, and, and, and he's kind of had his head turned a little bit like this. And, and, and he, I could tell he was just really upset and really perplexed about whatever was going on. And, uh, and then the headlines started just slashing, going in across the paper, not nice and neat from left to right and you know, horizontal like they normally are, but it would just slash across like at, a, like at an angle. And, and one came and said, and said, cancer, like that, big bold letters. Another one came, and when it did, that, that guy would go like that. The next one was age. Hit him like that. You know, inflation, recession, uh, hunger, disease, poverty. And it just started going just, I couldn't even tell you what they all were. I mean, just one after another, after another, after another. These things would, would come across this paper. He'd just, he'd just flinch every time, just like somebody's. Somebody's hitting. So I just knew immediately in the spirit, you know, I just, I just understood in the spirit that this is what people, because this guy just represents just Joe Christian, just normal, any Christian. And, and, and this is what he's getting, these people are getting hit with every day. And I realize they're getting hit with it on radio, getting hit with it on television, getting hit with it in movies, getting hit with it. I mean, everywhere they go, it's just, it's just a nonstop thing that, that there's sickness, there's disease, there's poverty, got to pay the bills, can't pay the bills. You know, uh, you know, my baby's sick, my, you know, my, my, we're getting a divorce. I mean, it was just, it was just more than the guy could handle. That, are y'all with me? And I realized that that's just what Christians are getting hit with all the time. And not everybody at the same time, you know. It's kind of it's like Christmas. We just had the great Christmas holidays, you know. And, and uh, Renee and I were doing, doing a podcast. And, and I said on the podcast, I said, you know, Christmas isn't fun for everybody. You normally think of Christmas being really fun and really great. And there's a tree and there's the kids and there's the presents. And for lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people, that's the way it is. But, you know, there are folks that, man, they just buried somebody. Or they just went through a divorce. Or, or, or they're alone. The kids have left the house, and it's not the, it's not the pitter-patter little feet anymore around the Christmas tree. And, you know, and, and, and then they're sick, and, and they don't have a job. And, and, and statistics prove that more people commit suicide at Christmas than, in, than any other time. They get depressed. And, and that's not everybody, but it sure is a bunch of people, right? So these things, it's kind of like these like prophecies that come every year. You know, prophet will stand up and give a word for the year. And say, I tell you, this year's going to be a year of, you know, what, blessing or increase or this or that or the other. Well, it, it, it will. God said it, and it will for a whole lots of folks. But there's going to be those odd folks here and there and here and there that the year's not so good. Are y'all here? You know, and maybe somebody died, and maybe somebody divorced, or maybe somebody left, or maybe this happened or that happened, or, or they lost their job or lost well, whatever. And it's like, it's like, well, it may be great for everybody else. It hasn't been too good for me. Because there's prophecies that are to the church, and then there's individual prophecies as well. 
And sometimes those general prophecies of the church, well, that's sure, that's good. Second Chronicles uh, twenty twenty says, believe God's prophets, you'll prosper. You know, believe the God, believe the word, and you'll be established, and believe the prophets, you'll be, you'll be, uh, and you'll prosper. And I've always done that. I've always listened to these prophets, and the ones that I consider prophets, the ones that are the ones that are prophets in my life. Let me rephrase that. When I say when I say the ones I consider prophets, I don't mean I'm the judge, and that, and then I go around saying he's a prophet, he's not, he's not, he is, he's not, he's not, she is, she. No, no, I'm talking about the ones that are in my life. You know, we all have ministries in our life, right? You know, the apostle Paul made the statement, Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse two. He said, "I'm not an apostle to everybody, but I am to you." Right? So Paul wasn't an apostle to everybody, but he was to those people. And, uh, and I've had people over the years, you know, say to me, say, Brother Chester, you're, you're, you're an apostle in our church. You're an apostle in my life. You're a father in my life. Or you're, you know, Pastor Mike's not the pastor of everybody in this town, but he is to you. Right? So we're not saying those other ministries aren't valid. We're just saying they're not in our life. Amen? You know, and so over the years, I've had a very few short list of people that I had as prophets in my life. Brother Hagen was one. He's gone now. Uh, as a pastor, Brother Osteen was one. He's gone now. You know, Hilton Sutton was a prophet in my life. He's gone now. You know, Dr. Summerall was, a, was an apostle in my life. And T.L. Osborne was an apostle in my life. They're gone now. And, you know, so they, they, dwindle, they dwindle down as you get older. Are you here? I, I've got one of my fathers, just one of my fathers left. He's 95 years old in Mexico and still preaching and still doing good. And we were just at a convention with him. We had, he had 3,500 Mexican pastors that he's touched their lives over, over 70 years of being in Mexico and, and still preaching and going strong. And he, he's the only father I've got left. You know, I've got a lot of contemporaries, you know, a lot of guys that are brothers that I respect and receive, but, but they're not, they're not fathers anymore. You know, you even have guys come to you nowadays and as you're in the ministry, Mike would know this. You're in the ministry. You have a lot of these guys come to you and say, Hey, I'm your father. And, I, and they come to me and say, Terry, I'm your father. I said, no, you're not. You're my friend. You're my contemporary. I love you. I believe in your ministry, but you're not a father to me. My fathers are pretty much gone, and, and I like you, but you're not my father. Are, are you all here? Because they're just not a father in my life. They don't have that qualification. Are you here? You know, I appreciate their words, but their words don't have the weight that my father's words had. Amen. You know, Brother Hagen would tell me something, and Brother Osteen would tell me something, and sometimes I didn't even agree with it. I'd just say yes, sir, and I'd go do it anyway, just because my father told me to. Does that make sense? And yet some of my contemporaries might come to me and tell me something. I say, nah, nah, I don't think so. I'm not going to do that. But, you know, my father's, I'd say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are y'all with me? So anyway, I saw this newspaper and I saw this guy and I'm sitting right like you are and I'm just looking at this newspaper and I'm just saying, dear Lord, this guy's in trouble. I mean, he's just bam, 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 bam. And, uh, and after all that finally ceased, then one big headline came across and it was straight left to right, horizontal, just block letters all the way across the top of the newspaper. And it said, it said, how to live stable in unstable times. And then the Lord spoke to me three times. I'm sitting right there and the Lord said, teach my people that, teach my people that, teach my people that. 
And so I thought, well, dear Lord, obviously I've got a commission from the Lord to teach people how to live stable in unstable times. That we can live in this world. We can have stable teens when other people don't. We can have stable marriages when other people don't. We can have we 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 can we can have stable finances and other people don't. We we can live stable in unstable times. There's a way. There's a way to do that. And so uh, uh, it wasn't too long after that that I was at uh, church about to speak and uh, uh, another church somewhere. And I was about to speak, and I was in, in the pastor's office. And, and I was just sitting there looking at my notes and looking at my Bible and just praying, waiting to go out, waiting for church to start, waiting to go out. I was in the room all by myself. And uh, the Lord said to me, write this down. So I said, yes, sir. And I looked around for a notepad and found a notepad and put it there and got my pen ready. And, uh, <clears throat> and he said, he said uh, write this down. And he gave me five points. So I wrote them down. One, two, three, four, five, five points. And, and, and they were simple little points. This was nothing, mag this wasn't anything big deal. It was just simple. And uh, so I wrote them down. And, and after I wrote them down, I sat back and said, yes, sir, what's your point? And he said, go out there tonight and teach that. And I said, I'm not going to do that. That's too simple. They wouldn't like it. They wouldn't receive something like that. The Lord said, you go out there tonight and teach that. And I said, sir, I'm just not. I'm just not. That is so simple. They'd laugh at me. That, that's so simple. That's, that's child's play. He said, you go teach that. He said, that is how faith works. That is how your life has gone. That is how everybody in the Bible's life went. All the Bible heroes, they had those same five points. Jesus had those same five points. Everybody on the planet that's a Christian are going to deal with these five points and it will put people over. It'll make them or break them. Now you go out there and teach that. And I did not want to. I, I said, okay, I, mean, I will. I mean, arguing with God's kind of dumb. And so, <clears throat> so I said, I will, but I'm embarrassed to do it. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And I did. I went out there and I told the people, all right, God gave me these five points and I told him I wasn't going to tell you because it's too simple and you'd laugh at me, wouldn't receive it, but he said do it anyway. So, so here it is. And I preached those five points and you'd have thought I was passing out $100 bills. People just thought it was the greatest thing since cornflakes and uh, just came up to me and talked to me afterwards and then, of course, feedback over the period of weeks and months and years and, and stuff. And, and I began to realize God's pretty, a lot smarter than I am. And... Uh, that's one thing John Osteen told me many decades ago. He said, you know, I figured out one thing. In all my years serving God, I figured out one thing, Terry. I said, really, what's that? And he said, God's smarter than me. Well, that's a good word. You can just write that down and take it to the bank. And six months from now, when something's going on, you say, hey, God's smarter than me. But uh, anyway, so I gave them these, these points. And uh, it's absolutely amazing how accurate and how true that was and over the years I mean years now it's been decades now that people actually come up to me and talk to me in church after church for uh, you know they'll tell me a testimony or tell me a problem and I'm actually in my head thinking there's number one there's number two okay there's number three okay there because it always works that way I mean God really knew what he's talking about so I want to give them to you even though they're very very simple uh, they'll help you and they'll bless you. And then we're going to go back and tie it in here to, to Jonah because the very same thing happened here with Jonah. And it happened with Daniel and the lion's den. It happened with David and Goliath. It happened with, it happened with everybody in the Bible, including Jesus. But point number one, in your life, here's what's going to happen and has happened many times. In fact, after I tell you this, you'll say, oh, 
That's how I, that's how I won that battle. Oh, that's how I lost that battle. Oh, that's, that's how that happened. That's how come that went that way. But here it is. Number one, God acts. A-C-T-S, God acts. God is going to somehow say something to you. Either he'll speak to you, maybe in your prayer time, he'll speak something to you, uh, or maybe you'll be reading your Bible and it'll just kind of illuminate, and some scripture will illuminate, and, uh, or, or maybe a pastor's preaching and he preaches a word and you say, oh yeah, or whatever it is, some way or another, God's going to get something across to you. It may be, it may be huge, like, like sell everything you have, go to Africa and be a missionary, or it may be something like, I want you to fast on Tuesday, or I want you to pray for Sister Whoop and Diddle, or I want, you to, I want you to pay your tithes, or I want you to give to missions, or I want you to get involved with whatever uh, pastor's uh, standing up, if he's doing a building fund or whatever else he's doing, you, I want you to get involved in that. It, 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 whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, he's going to say something to you. God acts, number one. And then number two, you respond. And preferably, you respond in the affirmative. You don't have to. You could be like Jonah and say, nope. See, number one, God acts. Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach against it. Number two, Jonah responds, nope, not going to do it. Now, it had been a lot better if he said, oh, yes, sir, I'll do that. But that wasn't his response. Number three, Satan reacts. Now, I'm not telling you that to, to, to give him permission to do it. I'm telling you that so you're aware of the system because he is going to do it. Jesus said the devil comes immediately to steal the word. So when you get a word from God, whether it's in your own prayer time or your Bible reading or pastor preaching to you, Satan's going to come and try to steal that word. Amen? Number four, and number four is really the critical one. If you don't handle number four right, there's not going to be a number five. Number four is identical to number two. You respond. Only this time you're responding to the devil. First time you're responding to God, this time you're responding to the devil. And hopefully you're saying, Satan, you get thee behind me. This is none of your business. The blood of Jesus is against you. And you, you, this is no partner, a lot of this. You just, you just go on out of here. I'm not messing with you. Right? But everybody doesn't handle it that way. And so you respond. Now, see, there's a difference in responding and reacting. Notice I said that you respond both times two and four, and yet the devil reacts, number three. The devil's a reactor. See, we, Christians should never react. We should always respond. Amen? The devil hears the word, he reacts and tries to steal it. But, but when God says something new, you should never react. You should just, yes, sir, yes, sir, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. You just respond. And then when the devil reacts against you, then you should respond to him. Devil, you get out of here. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus against you. I'm a blood covenant, blood washed man or woman of Almighty God. I'm a covenant person. You don't, it's none of your business. Isn't that right? Your response should be to rebuke the devil. And then number five, God counteracts and you win. Now you can go back to all of your life and just sit there and say, oh my Lord, that was number one. God told me to move into that house. God told me to apply for that job. God told me to marry this person, or, or, or worse yet, God told me not to marry them, and I did it anyway. <laughs> Dan and I are going to do a marriage seminar in, in Texas in two weeks, I guess, and I love marriage seminars. Love them, love them, love them. I've done them for years and years and years, and, and uh, done them for Wayne over at his church in, in Hawaii, and, and uh, somebody asked me one time years ago, they said, Brother Terry, 
I said, uh, you know, you, you do these marriage seminars and, and uh, said, how, how many sessions? I think I was preaching for somebody. They said, how many sessions should we schedule? They said, how many sessions would you like? And I said, well, what I'd like isn't feasible to do. I said, I've, I've written it down and thought it out and put a lot of thought into it and a lot of prayer into it and, and got a lot of notes. And I said, you know, if, if I, to do a set marriage seminar the way I want to do it, I'd like to have 20 sessions. And they say, 20 sessions? I said, yeah, I know you can't do that. Don't even, don't worry about it. But that, that's, you asked me what I'd like. That's what I'd like. Then you could just really, really, really cover some serious stuff about marriage and help a lot of people. But usually, you know, we just have a three-day seminar, or sometimes I've done marriage seminars just in, in a one day, just an all-day an all day deal or whatever. And so, you know, you take however many sessions you can get. But, you know, uh, man, how great it is to have all, have, have all you possibly could. So now Jonah's in the, in the, in the belly of the whale. And uh, verse chapter 2 down in verse 4, he said, I'm cast out of sight. I'll look again to the holy temple. The waters compassed me about, verse 5, even to the soul. The depth closed me around about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. Now, he's at the bottom of the ocean. He's got seaweed wrapped around his head. He's in the belly of the whale. I mean, this is bad. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than this. In fact, if when you get to heaven and you meet Jonah, and you will, you'll meet him, uh, don't, don't try to impress him with your problems. Because he's just going to laugh at you. He will say, honey, you don't know what problems are. Yeah, but Brother Jonah, my, my rent was three days late, and I was just really, honey, honey, I was in the belly of the whale, <laughs> the bottom of the ocean. We're talking 20,000 leagues under the sea. Seaweed's wrapped around my head. It's dark, 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 dark. You can't see your hand in front of your face. This isn't, this isn't Pinocchio's whale. There's no chair and lamp and no, he's in the belly of the well. And it's cold. It stinks. There's things going bump in the night. I, I don't know what else that well had to eat besides the prophet, but I mean, you know, there could be eel or squid or octopus. Or, I mean, you don't know what else is in there that he can't see that's bumping into him and sliming around on him. got to stink. I mean, I'm a fisherman and I'll catch a fish and slice his belly open and see what he's been eating so I know what kind of bait to use. And it stinks. Well, it had to stink in there. Cold, dark, miserable, wet, stinking, seaweed around his head, bottom of the ocean, no way out. And besides all that, he's out of the will of God. I mean, how bad can this get? Not only is it dark and seaweed wrapped around his head that's stinking and stuff sliming around, crawling around, he's out of the will of God. Any of us would just say, give up and die, man. I mean, this, this is it. There's no way out of this. It's impossible. I mean, even if that, even if that fish spit him out, he'd, he'd drown and, and, and die of the bins trying to get back to the surface. Ain't no way out of this. Are y'all with me? You see this is a dire situation? You promise yourself you're not going to tell Jonah how bad you had it whenever you meet him? Because that's not going to go well. And he said, I went down to the bottom of the mountain. He said, the bottom of the ocean, man. 
Earth surround me with her bars and about me forever and brought up my life from corruption. And then he makes this statement in verse 7. He says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. I guess his soul did faint within him. Man, I'm telling you, if you was in that mess, your soul would faint within you. And he said, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came unto thee and to thy holy temple. Verse 8 is one of the most powerful, powerful, powerful word of faith statements in the entire word of God. I love verse 8. Think about where he is when he says this and what he's facing when he says this. He said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Now here's Jonah at the bottom of the ocean, weeds around his head, belly of the whale, all that bad stuff I've already talked about. And he says, I remember the Lord. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. In other words, if I accept this, if I accept this lying vanity as my end, then I'll die here. I'll forsake my own mercy. Do y'all get the impact of that? I mean, Jonah, he's in bad shape. There's no way out of this. And he said, this is a lying vanity. It's a lying vanity. Now, don't confuse that into, into mental mental ascent. You know, Fred Price wrote a great, wonderful book many, many years ago called Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. Well, you want to you make sure you're in faith and not in foolishness and presumption because those two aren't going to work, right? Faith, foolishness, or presumption. You want to be in faith. And Jonah's in faith here. He's not in foolishness. He's not in presumption. This isn't like saying, well, I just, I just confess there's no whale. <laughs> he didn't say that. I just confess I'm not at the bottom of the ocean. I'm sitting down at the Hilton Hotel having a cup of coffee. No. That's what some people think we word of faith people do, and that's not true at all. Romans 4 says about Abraham that he was just like God, and he called things that are not as though they were. But yet we've confused that for years, and a lot of Christians have, have, have reversed that, and they start calling things that, that are as though they're not. Well, that's not ever going to work for you. I've been with Christians and they say, well, Brother Terry, the doctor said I have cancer, but I, I just confess I don't have cancer because cancer doesn't exist. Well, no, you've you got a problem. Cancer does exist. And right now it's existing in you and we need to kill it. If you just sit there and ignore it and, and call it, say it's not, when it is, it's going to kill you. God doesn't call things it is as though they ain't. He calls things that ain't as though they is. Isn't that right? Old preacher in Mississippi told me many, many years ago, he said, Brother Terry, he said, let's see if I can remember how he said it now. He said, he said, uh, always be what you is and never be what you ain't. Because if you ain't what you is, then you is what you ain't. Now that's a good word. If you can figure it out, that's a good word. I'm from the South, so I didn't have a problem with that. You know, I, I know how to be what I is, not what I ain't. Because if I start trying to be what I ain't, I am going to be in trouble. Are y'all here? And Moses, I mean Moses, Jonah, 
Moses did some good stuff too. But Jonah didn't say there is no whale. I'm not in the belly of a whale. I'm not at the bottom of the ocean. I don't have seaweed wrapped around my head. He said, no, all this stuff that's happening to me is a lie. And I refuse to accept it. Because if I accept it, it'll kill me. But I refuse to accept this lying vanity. Because if I do, I forsake my own mercy. And I'm not going to forsake my own mercy. I'm getting out of here. Now, you know, we've preached this for, for preachers have preached this ever since there's been a Bible. <clears throat> and they just preached it. Well, Jonah got in that mess and then he got down there and then he decided to sing praises to God and God got him out of there. Well, that's true. That's true. But that was, that was just an addendum to what's going on here. He did sing, he did sing praises and, 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 and thank God. But what got him out of there was him saying, this is a lying vanity and I'm not going to forsake my own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto you. Here's what he's talking. He's standing to God. I will sacrifice unto you with the voice of thanksgiving. Listen to what he says here. I will pay what I have vowed. Now, that's an important thing there. You ought to underline that and put stars and bells and circles and whistles and stuff around that. I will pay. He's telling God at the bottom of the ocean. He's telling God, I will pay what I have vowed. Well, what's he vowed? Doesn't tell us what he's vowed, but we know what he's vowed. He's vowed the same thing I've vowed, the same thing Mike Webb's vowed, the same thing every other preacher's ever vowed. I'll go where you want me to go and I'll preach what you want me to preach. Right? And that's what he's saying to God. I'm going to Nineveh. I'll pay what I've vowed. I'll go to Nineveh. I'm going to Nineveh and preach. As far as Jonah was concerned, this is a lying vanity and I'm on my way to Nineveh to preach. And when he did, he said one of the most powerful, powerful, powerful statements in the whole Bible. He said, salvation is of the Lord. And when he did, the Lord spoke to that fish and it vomited Jonah up on the dry land. Now, it didn't just vomit him out at 20,000 leagues under the sea. He took him to the top of the sea and took him to the right place. He could have taken him to Tarsus. He took him back to Joppa spit him out, vomited him out, and that prophet hit the ground running going to Nineveh to preach. Somebody told me one time, they said, Brother Terry, but I don't want to be vomited. That sounds nasty. I said, you'd rather be vomited out than digested. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're alternative here. I mean, you're either going to get vomited out or digested. So, uh, Are you all here? <laughs> Salvation is of the Lord. I cannot tell you tonight, I could not overemphasize or overexaggerate how many thousands of times I have yelled around the world in 50 years of being in third world missionary countries, I have yelled, salvation is of the Lord. And God's gotten me out of stuff that the devil meant to kill me. Shut your eyes. Put your hand right here where your spirit man is and shut your eyes. Now say, salvations of the Lord. Salvations of the Lord. Now say it again. Salvations of the Lord. Now say it right out of your spirit, right out of your midsection. Salvations of the Lord. Say it one more time. Salvations of the Lord. You, you, you feel that in there? If you said that about 20 more times, you probably might have to get up and run around the building because your spirit man is getting excited. 
when that's coming out of your spirit, salvation is of the Lord. See, you can find that phrase or a, a, a version of that phrase. I'm not taking time tonight to go to all those scriptures, but you can find a version of that in so many places in the Bible when people were in desperate, desperate trouble. David said it going out against Goliath. The same God that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the bear, he will deliver me out from this uncircumcised Philistine. Salvations of the Lord. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar said, let me tell you something. So help me, God, I told you. I told you to bow down and worship, and you didn't do it, making a fool out of me. Now, we're going to do this one more time, guys. I like you three guys, but I'm going to give you one chance, one chance only. I'm going to have them play the music again. And when they play that music, you hit your face and you worship my God. And so help me, God, if you don't, I'll put you in the burning, fiery furnace and I'll make it seven times harder than it ought to be. And then he made this mistake. He asked him a question. You go read it in Daniel 3. He said, and what God is able to deliver you out of my hand? Oh, man, slam dunk. He put the ball right in their court. What a deal. Really? Really? You want to ask me what God can deliver me out of your hand? And they said this. They said, we are not careful to answer you in this matter, O king. In other words, we're not going to mince words with you about this. No matter if you throw us in the fiery furnace or if you don't make any difference to us. But here's the answer to your question. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us out of your hand, and he will, O king. Now put that in your pipe and smoke it. Isn't that right? You go read Daniel 3. That's exactly that's verbatim what they said. Except for the put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> See, when the devil tells you that kind of stuff that Nebuchadnezzar told them, that, that, that means nothing. It's only a fear tactic. When he said to them, I'm going to throw you in a burning, fiery furnace. Okay. Still not going to bow. Then I'll make it twice as hot. Okay. I'll make it three times hotter. Okay. Still not going to bow. I'll make it four times hotter, five times hotter. Okay. We're still not bowing. I'll make it six times hotter. I'll make it seven times hotter. So what? You dead at one hot. All that other hots is just to scare you. Right? If he throws you in a burning fiery furnace at one hot, you're dead. But all that other nonsense is to torment and terrify and scare and intimidate you. Seven times harder. Oh, that's really scary. Oh, okay, I'll bow down then. Seven times harder, wouldn't it? Yeah, no. See, that's just a fear tactic. In fact, really, if you stop and think about it, it's more, it's, it's kinder to make it seven times harder because that'll kill you quick. That way you just die. You won't burn. You just die. 
I mean, it was seven times hotter. And when the bad guy, when the army, when the soldiers brought them up to the furnace, the Bible says those soldiers died, just dropped dead from the heat. They didn't get in there and get burned. They just, they just got close and died. So really it's, it's more, it's more kind to have it seven times hotter than one time hot. But of course they just strolled in there and strolled around. Nebuchadnezzar comes and says, hey, hey, guys, did we, did we put three guys in there? Yes, sir. Yeah, but I see four. And one of them, man, one of them looks like the son of God. Why, well, he wouldn't have a clue what the son of God looked like. He just knew that dude is bad. That guy's a bad guy right there. Whoever that guy is, he's, he, he, he's the boss. Isn't that right? like Joshua being in that battle and the angel comes down, the captain of the host, you know, Jesus, I think. Joshua goes over to him and says, who are you? Whose side are you on? He said, son, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. I'm the captain of the host. Amen. See, we, we get, we get in, in our churches today, we, we, we've We've gotten away from the power. We've gotten away from the supernatural. We've gotten away from, from God can blow in here and blow in and blow up and blow out and do miracles and change your life. But we get to thinking that we're just mere men, just mere women. Paul said we are not just mere men. Don't you ever get confused to thinking you're just a mere woman or a mere man. Are you, are you like everybody down the street? No, 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 no. You, you got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. That's what makes you different. You got the Holy Ghost living inside of you. That's what made Brother Hagen different and Brother Osteen different and all these guys that we love so much and followed after so many years and were friends of ours because they had the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? They weren't just mere men. They weren't just another preacher. They weren't just going to get up and give us three points in a poem and go home. No, they had the Holy Ghost. Amen. Brother Copeland said the Lord spoke to him this year, 2018, is going to be the year of the Holy Ghost and fire. And uh, I told Renee, I said, you know, when we were kids, we talked about the Holy Ghost and fire. And uh, the Pentecostal church talked about the Holy Ghost and fire. And then, you know, we got into the, to the 60s, 70s, part of the 80s, and, and had the big spiritual move, the big awakening, and we called it the glossolalia. We call it the charismatic renewal, the glossolalia, and all that kind of stuff, and put all these words on it. And it, and, and it was still just the Holy Ghost and fire. We just tried to clean it up and make it sound nicer. Sounds nicer to say the glossolalia than the Holy Ghost and fire. But you know, we're going to have to get back to the Holy Ghost and fire. And that's what these guys... They looked at Nebuchadnezzar and said, we, we're not careful to answer you in this matter, O king. You want to know what God can do you? Our God. And not only can he, he will. You go back and read those guys. You go back to 1 Samuel 17, and uh, as David went out against Goliath and says that Goliath cursed him by his demon gods, well, then there's a little phrase right there that says, then said David. I've got that circled in red in my Bible. Then said David. There always needs to be a then says you. What is that? That's number four. 
Goliath said, I'm going to kill you. You're just a boy. I'm going to kill you and cut your head off. And I'm going to do this and this and this and do this and do this. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to eat you and kill you. And number four, David responded. Then said David, you come to me with the sword and the sheep. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And the Lord saves not with the sword and the shield, but started quoting scripture to him. This kid didn't even have a pocket knife. And he said, this day, I'll take your head off your shoulders and I'll feed your carcass to the fowls of the air. And all this assembly will know there's a God in Israel. Amen. See, that's the way you need to talk. That's the way you need to think. What? I'm not just a mere man. I'm not just a mere woman. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. You're not going to tell me that. You're not going to do that to me. You're not going to do that to my family. You know, that hitchhiker had that gun in my forehead like this. You know, I stuck my finger in his face, passed his gun. He said, I rebuke you. He said, I'll kill you. Shut up. You say one more word, I'll kill you. I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You can't kill me. You can't hurt me in any way. Well, they don't know what to do with that. And he just backed up and shot at me. Just pow, five times, pow, 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 pow. Bullets didn't hit me. That messed everything up. It's always going to come back to what do you say? Are you going to accept the lying vanity? If I accept this lying vanity, I forsake my own mercy. Now, I could have done that. I could have just said, well, I'm just a missionary and my, my reasonable service is just to die out here in the cornfield with this madman. And it had been fine. I'd have gone to heaven. You win either way. But my wife would have been a widow. My babies would have been an orphan. The ministry that God had for me to do all these years wouldn't have been fulfilled. I could have just copped out and gone to heaven. But see, God's got stuff for you to do. God's got stuff for you to do. I'm going to have to quit. It's, what is this, 20 minutes till 8. Oh, well, thank you. That's so kind. Those are, those are, those are gracious, gracious words. Praise the Lord. But did you notice just one of you said it? I used to always have young preachers come up to me and they'd say, Brother Terry, I preached tonight over there at that church and, and it was so good. And, and, and two people came up and told me how great it was. I mean, they just really great. And I said, yeah, but son, think of all the other people that didn't tell you it was great. <laughs> I'm glad two people liked it. <laughs> all those other folks evidently didn't. Number one, God acts. I want you to fast on Tuesday. You respond. You say, okay, Lord, I'll do that. The devil reacts. Some friend comes along and invites you out to eat on Tuesday. <laughs> it always works like that. God says, pay your tithes. You say, yes, sir, Lord, I'm going to do that. I've been thinking about doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a tither. I'm going I'm to put that to effect and watch it work in my life. And uh, here comes the devil. Tax your finances. Tax your finances. So you have to decide, eh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, the correct thing to do is to respond to the devil. Say, get off my finances. You, you did have some authority over me, man. I'm, 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 I'm being a tither. You don't have any authority over it anymore. Amen? 
It's always going to work like that. God acts, you respond. The devil reacts, you respond. God counteracts, you win. And Jonah went to Nineveh and preached, and everybody but Jonah is happy. They all repented. And, you know, that's a big city. That was a city of 120,000 people. And it was wicked, a wicked city like Rome or like uh, Sodom and Gomorrah or like uh, Babylon. I mean, it was, a, it was a wicked city. When it says it's a great city of three days' journey, I mean, it takes you three days to walk across it. I mean, that's a big, that's a big place. <clears throat> and yet Jonah preached, and they got it. They say they got it. and said, man, we, we're not going to die like that. We're going we're to come to repentance. And they did. Did you get anything out of all that? Yes. Praise the Lord. I had a whole bunch of miracles pulled up here on my iPad to tell you, but you know, with the time being like it is, we'll, uh, you, y'all have heard, y'all have heard a lot of them. Y'all have heard a lot of them anyway. And, uh, you know, God, we've watched God raise the dead and heal the sick and cast out devils. And, and, uh, I've told you stories about witch doctors and, and about Buddhist bats and about all, all kind of other, other things and running the president out of, out of Haiti and bringing Christmas back to Cuba. They called me from Miami at Christmas time. Several friends called me from Miami. And they said, Brother Terry said, Channel 10, locally, Channel 10 is running this huge news article on uh, this whole documentary on uh, Christmas is back. They hadn't had Christmas in Cuba uh, from, from 1958 until 2004 and how now Christmas is just a huge thing in, in Cuba and how they, how they celebrate Christmas and have Christmas trees and lights and stuff. And they said, we know the real story. We know you're the one that did that. You're the one that took the Christmas trees and, and, and had the very first Christmas in Cuba in 2004 and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, all those are great, wonderful, marvelous miracles, but they all happen by these same steps. I'm, I'm talking to you right here that you can live stable in unstable times. You can take those simple steps that I, I laughed and really told the Lord, I'm not going to preach that. That's just too simple. And yet you can take those same simple steps and just do exploits. I mean, absolutely do exploits and take what Jonah said there in the Bible, that these are lying vanities. I'm not going to observe them or I'll forsake my own mercy. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Stand up with me. Y'all have been very gracious tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you. I always love preaching to you guys. Y'all are, uh, are some of my favorite folks to preach to. I like it. Praise the Lord. Put your hand here again. Salvation is of the Lord. Lord. Say it like you mean it. Salvation is of the Lord. Lord. Say it out of your spirit, not out of your head. Salvation is of the Lord. There you go. There you go. See, that'll stir that spirit man up. Say, prosperity is of the Lord. Lord. Healing is of the Lord. Miracles are of the Lord. Blessings are of the Lord. Increase is of the Lord. You think your spirit man might get excited over that? I tell you, 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 get, you get in prayer and start declaring that and declaring that, and pretty soon your spirit man starts unfolding and stretching and standing up and saying, yeah, let's, let's, let's get this stuff done. You know, I told you the story probably a couple of times, several times since I've been here that, that I was in Zimbabwe in 1991 that's having a horrible drought. And when I went in there, the newspaper's actually saying there's 40 days of water left and everybody's going to die, and then 39, 38, 37. And people are watching that and they're all scared. It's really, really, really bad. And, uh, and I got up and decreed to him and declared to him, I said, as a man of God in the office of apostle God's called me to, I decree this drought's officially broken and it'll rain the next 24 hours. And if it doesn't rain, I'm not a man of God and you don't ever have to listen to me again. 
Now, I mean, the UN was there. I mean, people from all over the world were there trying to figure out how to make it rain. I mean, it was a big, big, big deal because people were going to die. Elephants had already died. Crops had already died. Animals had already died. And now the people are going to die. And God just used me to stand up and declare that. But I'll tell you what, the next morning, I said, it'll rain the next 24 hours. The next morning in my hotel room, I was up early and I was praying and praying and believing God and telling God, I always tell God who he is. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're, you meet my needs. You meet all my needs. You're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. No disease can live in me. And I, I just tell him who he is. You're Jehovah Sitkanu and Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Shalom and Jehovah Sabah. You're, you know, you're, you're my doctor, my lawyer, my banker, my, my financier, my helper. You're, you're everybody that's anybody, the rock of ages, the, 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 the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright morning star, the fast of 10,000. You're, you're the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. You're, you're Lord of lords and king of kings. You're the healer, the blesser. And I'm just always telling God who he is. And that morning I added and I said, and you're the rainmaker and you're the drought ender and you're causing it to rain today. And today it's going to rain. Today it's going to end the drought. Today it's going to make history. Today it's going to save this nation, save people's lives. And, and then I just went over to my window and just shoved it open. I was on like the seventh or eighth floor of the Sheraton Hotel there in Harare, Zimbabwe. And I just shoved my window open and there was people down there in the swimming pool. It was early, but they, they got in the swimming pool early because it's so hot. It's hitting 100, 130 degrees in the daytime. I mean, it was bad. And, uh, and so there's out early in the swimming pool. And I just, just made me feel better. I just shoved my window open and I looked at all those people down there and I said, salvation is of the Lord. <laughs> and so those people looked up so I did it again, and I did it again. And I'm sure they thought, I mean, I don't care what they thought. I'm sure they thought the crazy guys up there or whatever. And I said, it's raining today. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. The drought's over. God's saving the nation. Salvation is of the Lord. And I don't know what they thought, but it made me feel better. You know, I went outside, got in the car to go to the morning meeting, and those guys picked me up, and man, they just were like this. They had already looked at the sky, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky, and it was hot. Got to the meeting, all those preachers had looked at the sky. They were miserable. They were just sitting down. Their body language was just like this, and I had to walk in. Come on, gospel preachers. What a glorious day. This is a day you'll tell your children about. You'll tell your grandchildren about. You'll tell them, I was there the day God saved the nation, the day that God changed it, and they just sat there. So I started yelling at them, salvations of the Lord, salvations of the Lord. Got them to stand up finally. They wouldn't stand up for a long time. I said, come on, get on your feet. Come on, stand up. Let's praise God. Let's give him glory. This is a wonderful day. This is a day that is going to be written in history. Nothing. Finally, I said, get on your feet. They got it. And I said, now let's praise the Lord. Let's, let's, let's get your hands in the air. And they literally tried. Pastor, I watched them. They tried physically to get their hands. Their hands must have weighed 300 pounds. They were just... They, they, they tried. I mean, they'd strain. I said, come on, get your hands up. Let's, let's worship God. I mean, all the hope that they'd had from yesterday was all gone today because they looked at the sky. It's a lying vanity. It's a lying vanity. That blue sky is a lying vanity. The weathermen said it was impossible for it to rain, that the transcontinental inversion layer, which is in charge in that part of the world, was thousands of miles north up past Kenya, couldn't rain there, but salvations of the Lord. Rains of the Lord. Amen. And so I tried and tried to get them to get, and they tried, they tried. And I said, all sit down. 
I said, get your book, open your Bible. When I said that, it lightened outside and thundered outside, and I mean it rained, and 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 it rained. And after a few days, I left and went home, and after a few weeks, the, the newscaster on CNN was saying that I walked through my living room in Texas. They said, uh, the drought that's been so many years in Zimbabwe, Africa, is officially broken. And I said, well, I knew that, but I appreciate you telling the world. That's, that's good. And uh, then a few, a few days later, I got calls from pastors in Zimbabwe saying, Brother Terry, come turn it off. <laughs> I said, well, turn it off yourself. You live there. You know, you take authority and dominion. But, but see, salvation is always, always, always salvations of the Lord. I can tell you stories about salvations of the Lord. I've yelled it and screamed it, hollered it in jungles and rivers and mountains and deserts. And God's come through with finances or, or whatever it was I was believing God for. Whatever desperate thing it, it was, God would show up. If you can just imagine, what I'm going through is not as bad as what Jonah was going through. And at the bottom of the ocean, belly of the whale, seaweed around his head, he said, this is a lying vanity. And I'm not going to forsake my mercy. Salvation is of the Lord. And when he did, God said to that fish, that's it. Take him, take him over there. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for ministering to your people. Thank you for blessing your people. Thank you for speaking to your people. Father, I thank you for taking this word tonight and literally writing it on our hearts. Write it on our hearts forever. That forever we'll have that on the inside of us, that salvation is of the Lord. That this is a lying vanity and I'm not going to observe it and forsake my mercy. That's That you act, we respond, the devil reacts, we respond, you counteract, we win, and everything's good. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, in the weeks to come, months, years to come, as they have a situation or as they tell the story, they'll think of it in those terms. They'll say, yeah, that, that was number one. God, God, God said something. Yeah, I responded. That was number two. Yeah, number three, my goodness, the devil came in. I tell you, the devil came in, thought he was going to wipe us out. But you know what? We responded to him, number four. And God came in and counteracted, and we won, and it is a great testimony. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Salvation is of the Lord. Healing is of the Lord. Miracles are of the Lord. Deliverance is of the Lord. Restoration is of the Lord. Blessings are of the Lord. Rescue is of the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. I want to ask y'all to do something. I don't think I've ever done this here before. I may have, but, but I'm not sure I have. It doesn't matter if I have or not. But I want to ask you, there's not very many of us here. I think we'll all fit. I'd just like to ask you all to come down here and uh, don't try to stand in a nice line. Just, just bunch up and just everybody come and stand up. And I want to pray for you, but I want to pray for you up close and personal. Praise the Lord. Hey, just come right on up against the platform. That's fine. Praise the Lord. I do this a lot, especially in crusades. In that sort of thing. Uh, 
Praise the Lord. We've gotten so nice in church. We've gotten so refined. And, and sadly, I've done it myself. And I've had to repent of it a number of times. But uh, I'll get to watching the clock or get to thinking about, you know, getting people out. And they got kids got school and people got work and this, that, and the other. That a lot of times, I'll just pray a real quick healing prayer and then just let people go. And, and, and which is fine and great and good. You know, they need, to, they need to go. But sometimes we cut it off too soon and don't let God really do what he wants to do. This way, this will get us a little closer and a little, little more together here. And, and I realize everybody's not sick. You came because I asked you to come. You didn't come because you're sick. So, but yet there, there's got to be some people that are believing for some stuff or the Lord wouldn't lead me to, to do this. So let me pray for you. Just put your hand on yourself and your other hand up to God. That's where your help comes from. Father, just like in an open air crusade in India or Africa or somewhere, I pray for them in a mass prayer, a prayer for the masses, a prayer for everybody at the same time. And I ask you, Lord, as I've watched you do so many, 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 many times over 50 years, Lord, I ask you that the tangible anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts fall right now on this crowd, fall on this people. The anointing from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet flooding their body, saturating their organs, their bloodstream, their nerves, their bones, every part of their body. The anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts fall now in Jesus' name. Heal and cure and make well and deliver and restore supernaturally tonight in the name of Jesus. Now body, be healed. Receive your miracle. Receive your healing. Sickness, disease, you hear me now. I curse you by Almighty God in the name of Jesus as Jesus cursed the fig tree and it withered and died from its life source, from its roots. I curse cancer and AIDS and HIV and lupus and leukemia and whatever else is represented here, whatever name doctors have put on you, I curse you. I curse you and speak death to you, disease. In the name of Jesus, die. As the power of life and death is in the tongue, says the scriptures, I speak death to sickness, death to virus, to germs, to disease, to bacteria. I curse you. And you wither and die and get out of their body in the name of Jesus. And Father, by the same scripture, I speak life, 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 the Zoe life, the Zoe life, the God life, the life of God into their bodies from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. Life, live, live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Healing in the brain and all the cells and the, the syntax and all the live in Jesus name Father I speak healing to blood pressure healing to blood sugar healing normal come regular in the name of Jesus healing to the bones bones move in Jesus name bones you hear me move right now move in Jesus name you obey the voice of God He move in Jesus name Every vertebra, every disc, come in line 
spine come in line from the base of the neck to the tailbone. Line up in Jesus' name. Father, I curse arthritis, rheumatism, fusion in the joints, calcium deposits. I curse it by Almighty God. In the name of Jesus. Joints, loose. Loose. Loose in Jesus' name. Father, I command the eyes to be opened. I curse cataracts and glaucoma, stigmatism, nearsighted, farsighted. I curse it in in the name of Jesus. Eyes, be healed. The Word of God says, the eyes that see shall not be dim. These eyes shall not be dim. Moses was 120, his eye was not dim, neither his step abated. Their step will not be abated, nor their eye dim in Jesus' name. Blind spirit, come out in Jesus' name. Eyes you open, see. See in Jesus' name. Ears, I curse ringing in the ears. Ear problems of any kind. Healing to the eustachian tubes. Healing to the eardrums. I curse every disease that would affect the hearing. Every disease, every, every ear ringing in the ears, problems in the ears, in the name of Jesus, Munier's disease or whatever would cause hearing loss. I curse you by Almighty God. Get out of their ears in Jesus' name. Get out of their body. Ears, come open. Pop open. In the name of Jesus. Just receive that right there. Just receive it. Blood healed. 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 Every problem in the blood. Blood healed. Father, according to Ezekiel 16, 6, we declare the blood healed in Jesus' name. Father, I speak healing in the home, healing in the relationships, healing with the kids, with the, with the, the marriage, healing and blessing. Father, I I declare deliverance tonight from habits, addictions in the name of Jesus. For so many times people say, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then they do it again. I'm not going to do that anymore. They do it again. I'm not going to do that anymore. They do it again because they they don't have their will. That that spirit's controlling their will. You foul spirit, loose them in Jesus' name. This night they have their will back. This night they'll say, I will not. And they really will not. They have their will back in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, I curse cancer tonight. And I curse tumors and growths and knots and cysts and any such thing. I curse it by Almighty God in the name of Jesus. Command you to wither and die and dissipate and dissolve and get out of their body in Jesus' name. Go from them. Go from them. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Healing. Healing. Miracles. 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 Healing tonight. Healing of dementia. Their mind is strong. Healing of Alzheimer's. Healing of Parkinson's. Healing of every disease with a name on it in Jesus' name. Bow your knee to the name of Jesus. And be made whole. Thank you, Father. Now just lift your hands and worship Him. Just lift your hands and worship Him. Thank you. If you weren't sick, thank Him for healing somebody else. Thank you, Father. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for restoration. 
Thank you for blessing. Thank you for increase. Thank you for the anointing of God going into our bodies, flooding our bodies and healing and making whole and well and strong to the glory of God. We give you the glory. We would not touch your glory. In Jesus' name. Oh, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Now, some of you, just uh, don't be looking around, but some of you, check yourself. If you couldn't move something, move it. If you had a tumor or growth or something, check it out. If you had a pain, check it out. If you couldn't hear, hear. If you couldn't see, see. If you couldn't lift your arm, lift it. If you couldn't bend over, bend over. If you couldn't jump, jump. Praise the Lord. Put some action to your faith. Make your miracle happen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now let's lift our hands and thank Him one more time. Just one more time. Just one more time. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You're the miracle worker. You're the healer. Miracles are your idea. Healing are your idea. Salvation's of the Lord. Healing is of the Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Now look up here at me. If you've, uh, if you've checked yourself, and there's a difference... There's a pain, it's gone. There was a problem, it's gone. The tumor's gone or moved or gotten small. If there's some difference of any kind, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's good. That's good. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's good. Praise the Lord. What did God do for you? Tell me, tell me what God did for you. Your neck. How long had you had that problem? How long had you had that? Days? Hours? Weeks? Months? Days? Okay, good. It's better. Who else? Several hands went up right back here. Don't get scared just because I asked what it was. Praise the Lord. Yes, ma'am. You can raise your hand higher than when you came. Well, glory. I like it. Praise the Lord. That's a big deal. I like it. I'm glad you got healed. Y'all keep checking yourself. God's moving. Check for a tumor. Somebody needs to check for a tumor, a lump, a growth, that sort of thing. Who else? There's several hands went right back up here. Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Can you say it in English? She's still crying over it, so she can't talk yet. So praise the Lord. Who else while we're giving her a moment? Yes, ma'am. I have two bad knees, and I never get to get on my knees anymore, and a lot of them, they don't hurt. Two bad knees, it's, yeah. for, for, it's prohibited you to get on your knees, and you're on them, and they don't hurt. Praise the Lord. How long has that been going on? Um, probably about five years. About five years. And you're on your knees now? Praise the Lord. Rocking back and forth. That's great. I love it. I'm glad you got healed. You ready? Tell us real loud. Amazing. Like ALS? Mm-hmm. Praise. And you could feel them before. She could feel two lumps under her arm, and she doesn't feel them now. And she was diagnosed with a disease that's very much like ALS. And I'm glad you got healed. And I tell you, we're standing with you. That's a, that's a nasty, evil disease. And uh, you don't need it. Amen. You live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Praise God. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. You, when you go, you go in faith and stay in faith. And just that every symptom's gone. Anybody else? Yes? Deliverance from some lying vanities. I, I receive that for all of us. Amen. That stuff that comes against us and lying vanities. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. 
She's had an attack of shingles that's been coming on her, and it's gone. Good? Praise the Lord. I'm just so glad. I'm so glad. I've, I've dealt with a lot of people with shingles, and they say it's not fun. Praise the Lord. I'm glad. Anybody else? Remember now, there's some tumors and growths that need to be checked out, and I think you'll see that they're gone or moved or gotten smaller or something's happened to them. Anybody else? I don't want to keep you a long time, but there's always that last one, you know. It's a, Yep. It's yep, it's moving. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, from a pain level of 10 down to a 1, and she said it shouldn't normally not go back, but thank God. Well, good. That's so good. It's so good not to hurt. Pain's not good. Yes, ma'am. Ringing in the ears gone. Praise the Lord. I had that when I was in the army. That's not fun. It took me, it took me three days to, to get rid of it once I realized I needed to get rid of it. Uh, I went around confessing for weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh, I'm going deaf. I'm losing my hearing. And then one day I woke up and said, hey, that's not good. So reversed that and took me three days before it got to, oh, man, my voice is back. Look at there. Praise the Lord. The sound guys got healed. Praise the Lord. Who else? Anybody else? Like I said, there's always that last one. You're always kind of waiting. Uh, God's still healing people, still blessing people. Praise the Lord. Never be ashamed of it. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. If you'll testify for me, I'll testify for you. Never, never, ever be ashamed of it. Always be quick to give a testimony. Yes, sir. Almost a decade right side of your neck has been bothering you. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Wonderful. Feels lightheaded and feels better. I like it. I like it. I, yes, ma'am. What was it, your throat? Wonderful. Wonderful. I tell you what, the, America's fighting the flu right now. We need to stand in faith. People are even dying from it, man. We, we're delivered, help. Yes, sir. What you got going there? Yesterday, I jammed my finger. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hold it up where everybody can see that you can move it around. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I tell you, you don't realize those things are necessary until you lose the use of one. Then you say, wow, that's good. I'm glad Jesus healed you. Who else? Who else? Yes, sir. Really? A lot of years of sports and hadn't been able to hold his hands up. Praise the Lord. That's so good. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Praise the Lord. I forgot about everybody watching on Facebook. Praise the Lord. That's so good. That's so good. You know, I had an uncle when I was a little boy that had tuberculosis, really bad. <clears throat> and uh, he, uh, in those days, Mike, they would come and arrest you and take you to what they called a sanatorium. It wasn't a hospital. It was a sanatorium for people with tuberculosis. It was really a contagious, bad deal. And he even escaped one time and came back home to his wife and girls. And man, here came the police and arrested him, took him back to the sanatorium. And, and uh, my mom went and got him one day and took him to an Oral Roberts meeting. And uh, Oral prayed for him. He was completely, totally, absolutely healed. Checked out clean, got to leave the sanatorium, got to come home. But you know, he got back to work and he, he wouldn't testify of his healing. 
and he was ashamed of it. He wouldn't say, people in, in, in the office, you know, they'd laugh about, oh, yeah, that healer, that faith healer was in town and all that. He never said, yeah, and I went and got healed of tuberculosis. He just, nothing. And, you know, he got tuberculosis again and died of it a number of years later. And I, I, that, that hurt me as a little boy. I loved this uncle, and I just thought, I can't imagine he wouldn't just testify of his healing, wouldn't just declare what the, what the Lord had done. Well, I love you guys. Pastor, won't you come up here and, and uh, rescue them? But we, we, lo we love you. Renee and I will be in uh, Bogota, Colombia here in uh, a few weeks, uh, in, in Medellin, Colombia, then in Bogota, Colombia, ministering. I think you all know the Romics. We'll be at the Romics, but then we'll also be with the Christ for the Nation School down in Medellin. Uh, and then uh, we'll be in, in, in Peru and Arequipa and in Lima, and, and then we'll be back in Romania and, and then with our gypsy pastors again. And, of course, we'll be in Mexico a bunch this year. And uh, so y'all just keep us in prayer. And then, well, like I said this morning, we're doing a podcast every Wednesday, and it doesn't cost a dime. So just go to terrymines.com, and the, the fresh one's up every Wednesday, but you can get a whole bunch of archived ones, so they don't have to be fresh. It's a good word, and we're thoroughly enjoyed, enjoying doing them. I mean, we're just having fun with it because we're just telling old stories and miracles and preaching the word. And, and I told her, I said, this year I think I'll just stay on this 50th year thing and just tell stuff that's happened over over 50 years, and several of y'all came to me this morning and told me you'd been listening to the, to the podcast and liked them, and I, I think that's great, because when she and Dean were young, and Jackie and I were young, and we were just hungry for the Word and trying to make it work and try to get to a Brother Hagen meeting or a Brother Osteen meeting or something, and, and, and just, you know, didn't have any money for food or to hotels or gas, or and then we'd go back and look at those tapes and books, and we sure didn't have any money for that, and, and now you can just go get it free. Just go to com and there it is, free for nothing. So, I just think that's great. I don't know if it helps anybody else or not, but I think that's the coolest thing because I think of us when we started and then when they started and they, oh, just struggling to, if I could just get a word, just get a, and now you can just, pow, there it is. So anyway, those will, those will bless you. They'll help you. We appreciate your prayers. Thank you, sir. It's always an honor. Appreciate it. Amen. Well, I sure don't have anything to add. This has been quite a night. Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank God one, one last time. We bless you, Father. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your healing mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your presence and a display of your power. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Say it with me. I'm healed. I'm healed. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.